I even kind of understand how this device is recording my own voice. It's not even magic. What the f is going on down there? Hello, we are uh, WTFTFW, a Transformers podcast by Transformers fans for Transformers fans. This is episode 464, so it's one of those palindrome episodes. Uh, there's also thunder outside, and I've left the window open, A, because the uh, the oxazonin-genated uh, smell is pleasant, and B, because I want to capture some of that sick thunder noise on my magic microphone plates. Uh, I'm joined by Aaron. Hey, is it Friday yet? Uh, surprise! It's Friday! Yay! We wanted to wait until the despair of it being Thursday really got you down before we told you it's Friday. That's alright. Like I said, I think I had about seven Mondays, and then a Wednesday, and then a Tuesday or something. Well, you know what? It means you got to actually skip Thursday, and Thursday is kind of... Thursday is almost worse than Tuesday and Wednesday, because Thursday is the one that's all full of false hope. Because it's not Friday, but it just makes you think about Friday. Well, I thought it was Thursday all day today, so... That's the thing! Surprise! It's 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 been a week. Uh, we're also joined by TJ. TJ, we spent a lot of money getting this Friday for Aaron. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, I, I was hoping he would appreciate it a little bit more, considering how we went out of our way and everything. That's all right. I can, I can see it in his eyes, you know? Like, he, he's just... He's very tired. Uh, I'm sure he'll get us a couple Fridays you know, somewhere down the road. What we're doing is called paying it forward. So we've got Fridays incoming for ourselves uh, in our futures. It is the week before the new Transformers movie, and that doesn't actually have anything to do with, uh, like, the just the, the, the lackadaisical nature of today's recording. But it also means that us kind of being re- uh, laid back and relaxed this week means that we can be all energized and peppy next week, maybe. I don't, actually, you guys don't even have to record next week, so what, what do you care? Like, you got two weeks to, to refill... Uh, the juice, but the mm-hmm. last night is out on uh, on Wednesday, in less than a week from the day of this recording. So we're soon going to be over the hump, as they call it. And uh, to kick things off, before we get to the video sandwich that I made for our topic list, we've got a listener question uh, from Snowcat. And uh, this listener question says, Hey, Vangelis and company, I've been listening for years. This is my first time writing in, so I'm going to keep it simple. First, I want you to know, Vangelis, that you've got some support for your Age of Extinction is the best live-action film movement. Uh, actually, I got a, a bunch of support, not just on the boards, but on Twitter, too. A lot of people, sometimes even quietly, just going like, Hey, don't worry, I got your back. So uh, we are not just a few. We are we are uh, a, a gaggle of people who think that Transformers 4 is the top. But uh, Snowcat... Uh, justifies this with, quote, was great to see the bots having actual character at last, as long as you don't mind your heroes being absolute bastards, and I don't. Uh, basically, I see it as the It's Sunny in Philadelphia of Transformers. Love Stanley Tucci as evil Steve Jobs, who turns into good Steve Jobs. Lockdown and Kelsey Grammer were great villains and actually felt like the cast were really interacting with the CG robots. As it has been said, the biggest problem is it's too long. I've made an edited down version, which I think works quite well. I cut out 35 minutes, including the football. I don't even remember the football. Oh, that was... Th- yeah, okay, I remember the football now. And the Romeo and Juliet law. It's pretty sweet. Anyone interested? Um, I'd be interested if only to say, like, I think you could have cut out more than 35 minutes. <laughs> perfectly honest. Like, you could have cut... I think you could cut another 10 minutes out if you do another pass on that movie. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I can just, I can already think, like, yeah, if you just remove the entire subplot of, um, 
of like what is it uh what the, am i thinking of the right thing with the football i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the bomb the missile or whatever yeah yeah if you just remove the subplot of the uh the cyberform missile entirely you still have a movie with a beginning and an ending i think um that also means if you just remove china from the movie you you've cut like <laughs> an hour off of the film yeah because when before China, I thought the movie was over. And it was like, wait a second, dinosaurs are in here somewhere, right? Yeah, the movie has an ending. Like if you cut out the Dinobots and China, and uh, maybe like that opening with the terraform, like this this part of it, cut out the terraforming flashback in the opening. I think you you actually create a much a much uh, well not tighter, but a a leaner base to work with. And then yeah, you remove the Romeo and Juliet scene, and maybe just remove. Wait wait wait. What if what if we just remove the movie from the movie? Well, no, I still want. I uh, save a lot of time on the. I still want a couple scenes from that movie. I want, I want, you know, the Autobots around the campfire. But uh, I mean, that's only about five minutes long. But yeah, I, I think I think there is a. It's a great. I think it's that film. Any of these films, really, but that film because I think there's a decent dumb movie buried in it. Uh, it's great editing exercise. Yeah. Of of like. Yeah, the whole thing is just like crying out for a renegade cut. Yeah. Like, uh, I've always said, and many people have agreed with me when I say it, like, and Aaron, you even said it, that movie has two endings. Like, it has an ending, mm-hmm. and then it has another third act after the third act. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a great idea. Um, Snowcat's second question is, what do you guys think a fair price is for a loose Henke Dinobot? Thanks, everyone. Really appreciate your work. This podcast one of the few bright spots I have in my week. My unlimited love to you all. So I figure, let's just ask the expert, TJ, like, what's a good price for a loose Henke Dinobot? <laughs> um, actually just a few months ago mine ran me about 70 and that's that's not bad considering ebay most people won over 200 for that toy that has got to crash now that we know about the masterpiece yeah like the second the pre-orders go up for that masterpiece dinobot that's going to plummet if you're gonna sell it now like sell it immediately and if if uh, you're looking for a loose one, I'd say wait a few months and then like do not pay over sixty. Don't pay over fifty. And then if you like the person selling it, pay sixty. Uh, yeah, the easy way to, the easy way to tell any price on anything that you want to sell is just go to eBay, go to advanced search, and search for sold listings. See what it's sold for in the last month and kind of judge it from there. Yeah, which oddly you know, like I I think that that's like a, a straightforward thing to do, but I, I've. I've encountered enough times where that is like a new idea for some folks. So it's uh, it's in general, it's worth doing just if you want to get to know the value of something like eBay is not the be all end all, but it's the easiest marketplace to do a search on. Yeah. And just make sure you're looking at sold and not completed. Uh, Yeah. Completed listings is a that's a big trap. That's a big honeypot trap of making you think things are super valuable. Yeah. Make sure it's it's money that people actually paid for these things. Yeah, um, but I figured that'd be a good little warm-up question for us before we start our video sandwich. So let's get to this is uh, two pieces of John Warden sandwiched around some meat. So the top slice of John Warden is uh, this Hasbro video about the return of MP10 to North America. Um, the main thing about this video I wanted to really call out is that like John Warden was doing some pretty darn decent acting of using the fake video screen that they affixed around him. Like you know he didn't look like he was. Uh, it looked like he actually had, like, you know, those video elements he was reaching out and touching. He, he was able to act that pretty well. You know, the kayfabe was high. Um, but also, for those who don't know, uh, the MP10 is coming out domestically again, and they are just calling it MP10. I think that 
that's maybe a clever little i don't know if numerically that's just is a coincidence but i feel like that's a very clever thing to do given how in the common fan parlance it's just called mp10 um mm-hmm. and uh the the actual video was very much a commercial. There was uh, there was a little bit of cute stuff in it, but there's also a whole lot of commercial faff. And I don't I don't know if those were actually three people that they reached out to and interviewed about the toy. That felt like three Hasbro people in their bedrooms. I don't know. The the one of them had a whole lot of what looked like um like the reissue Power Rangers boxes, those big green boxes in the background yeah 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 i'm going through that. and rewatching it that'd be kind of a bold move if if they were just setting <laughs> up it could just be what's behind them i don't know like yeah. you know what if someone's working on transformers but they happen to really love power rangers um i'm not saying then that why did, not... then why did they give them all potato webcams and tell them to shoot up their nostrils that's the thing about the camera angle. Well, that's the thing about those three shots. The fact that those three shots are identical is why I felt like maybe this is kind of a setup thing. But whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't really care that much. Uh, I'm just. I was looking at the production side of it, and I thought it was pretty darn decently produced as a promo video. Uh, John Warden doing a really good job pretending to be in the future. Um, I don't know. Like I just noticed the number of times he reached out for things that you know obviously weren't there. Uh, I was. I was impressed. Uh, Aaron, any actual any thoughts on the video, or just are, are you are you happy to see MP10 maybe becoming decently available finally? Um, I've got an MP10, so good. This one, I think they uh, they they specifically they called it out in a weird way, where they're like finally back in the original G1 colors. But I have a feeling that that's like some very mismessaged way of saying it's not Year of the Horse, and it's going to be the same colors as the last time. Yeah, all of the year mm-hmm. of the things where they do fun, as I finger quotes around the microphone, that it can't hear that because there's not enough impulse pressure you, from you, my you fingers to, to, to move. Maybe, maybe if I like, uh, 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 uh they're popping yeah, you, knuckles. You gotta do it so you're cracking those nuts, just, just yeah. crack, you know. Just uh, um, having it released in real colors is is a good thing rather than the the crazy colors of of the year of stuff mm-hmm. like that was um, the thing right we there... also and, and yeah i mean it was it was a well-produced video and i'm glad to see that they're getting better about advertising and and being proactive on the internet it's still not my like hey good sets of plans but you know baby steps yeah we also acknowledge that oh god what was the point i was trying to make trail off uh this is Hasbro, who the first time they had a Masterpiece Optimus Prime to release decided we need to cover it with burn paint apps everywhere. Uh, yeah, way, way so back in, yeah. in 04. Yeah, so it's like, okay, we, we haven't fussed with this one. It's just the straight-up colors. Well, because they, they, they released it in, in you know, uh, cartoon colors back in 2012. It's just that my understanding from everyone who tried to find it, myself included, was it was really friggin' hard to find. Uh and I, I just remember it was a thing when the year of the horse version came out where they cut, you know, it's, it wasn't horrifically different. It's just, you know, the silver parts were gold and the red was different. And for a lot of people, it was kind of, well, this is close enough. I, I could never find that 2012 one. So hopefully this will ease that pressure off. Because um, the, the one downside of the Japanese one is it's toy colors. And uh, that's not what everyone wants. The eyes on the Japanese one look super dead if you don't get replacement eyes like like I did. Um TJ, any any other thoughts about uh, the video or the re-release? Uh, not especially. It's 
it, you know, it's it's not a bad promo video to do. It's certainly better than you know, like a couple of designer comments and then yeah, please go buy our things. Yeah, so I, given that they're they're progressing in that sense. It's a really good. It's still a really good toy that still holds up. So any any chance uh, people have of getting that again is not a bad thing. I also really like that this and this is super baby steps. I I like that they're they're continuing to try to put faces on people, not just at Hasbro, but even like having that little pop up of uh, folks from Takara Tomy, like that they're they're illustrating the real people working on this stuff and giving them uh, you know a little bit of face time. Uh, the only downside is I really hate that they're getting the designers to also do the commercials in a sense. Uh, I wish that, like, designers in videos, I wish that their videos were 100% way more focused on them as designers rather than as kind of uh, mouthpieces. But, mm-hmm. like, like you know, that is that is expecting a, a hell of a lot out of uh, what's ostensibly a, a PR project. But, you know, as we always say, baby steps. Um, we'll be back, uh, to talking about, uh, John Warden and the Hasbro videos in a bit, but first we also got some last night videos that I actually really wanted to talk about. Um, and this first one is the one I'm the least interested to talk about, but I still really enjoyed it. The, uh, the, what we're pretty sure are robot chicken people, uh, did another stop motion bit. This is the blooper reel for the last night using, uh, toys from wave one and two. And, uh, it's just a very well-made stop motion. Uh, and like I'll always say, if you're skipping these these you know promo videos because they are ostensibly commercials, the ones that that these folks are doing stop motion wise are really well done, and they're not like you know gut bustingly funny. But I smile when I watch them. Uh, I, I particularly enjoyed Grimlock uh, just being scum and like laughing because Hound is having trouble getting up the hill. Uh, I, I like the running gag of car will always drive behind someone being a jerk and they'll just get shoved over the car like a couple of toddlers on the playground. Um, it also made me jealous because like they freaking had Voyager Megatron in there and I've been trying to find him these last couple days and I can't. But uh, did you guys get a chance to check out the blooper thingamadoo, the stop motion video? Yeah. Cool. Uh, are you going to go buy some movie toys now? Did it work? Did they did they thread uh their hooks in your brain uh no yeah yeah if they, if they moved around themselves and intentionally uh acted like dicks to my other toys absolutely they cheated a little bit too i think they disassembled some of those figures to give them extra stuff like wastes oh well it's it's robot chicken it's what they do i know but i was like yeah they probably went maybe even went further and just added in articulation no, I'm 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 almost I'm almost 100% sure they did. And I I yeah. kind of like that, but then that's another one of those things where there's a little voice in the back of my head going like it's a little messed up to do that on what is essentially also an advertisement. Uh granted this is not a direct commercial for the toys, which helps, but uh yeah, like they they are straight up like they're they did this for the rid ones as well. They add some paint detail, they chop up the toys a bit so they can do more. Um if you get a chance and you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's pretty short and it's some pretty good stop motion. Um, Aaron, uh, you want to, you want to throw down some contrarianism when this go like that was poorly no. made. I could see the strings. I, oh, all right. <laughs> see the strings. I could tell how they made it. Those toys weren't even alive. Fake. <laughs> well, they weren't, but I mean, wow. Santa Claus is not real Christmas. either, huh? Yeah. Well, too late. Or... <laughs> uh, no, I wish I like the sock motion stuff just because it reminds me of the old Diaclone commercials. 
Yeah. Like, like how uh, Takara used to advertise like every Transformer. It's a, it's just a nice art form to see happen still too. Like it's yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, but that's that's kind of just the setup for the actual Goofs videos. And uh, those were very high budget, not stop motion, but straight up like movie tier CG. And uh, actually, just before I continue, I just wanted to remark that, damn, do I have a clean desk. Clean floor, too. Anyway, we're uh, going to talk about some promo videos uh, that open up with Optimus Prime having trouble with a chair. Uh, Aaron, uh, they spent a lot of money having Movie Prime do a whole bunch of dumb stuff. Yeah. And, you know, moving things around overhead on a poor PA. And I hope that was actually a PA playing a PA, not like they went and they got somebody to pretend. Yeah, I I would be kind of annoyed if they, well, actually with unions, I don't know how that would work. But yeah, it would would be nice if they just got a PA. Well, the thing is, I mean, this is just a promotional thing. This is a side thing. This isn't a, a film that's going out into the theaters. It's just well, it's it's a ostensibly it's a DVD a, extra. It's an ostensibly BS. paid piece of video, and there's still sometimes uh, tricky stuff around that. Um, TJ, what did you think of, of Optimus struggling with a chair? Yeah, there's something that's a little bit strange about seeing something that can transform into a semi truck to a humanoid form, who can't figure out how to unfold a chair. Yeah, well, you know, they don't give him any instructions, and, you know, it's it's real. That's yeah, a real thing. We, we, yeah, but we've confirmed they give garbage instructions in the first place. Yeah, this is true. Oh, no, man, I was, small aside, I was digging through a box, and I found some instructions from about three years ago, like from Leader Jetfire and stuff, uh, from, for I think it's the Thrilling 13 era. Those were, those were poster-sized, full-color instructions on glossy paper. Like, uh, that made those me... were good times. And hey, spoiler on one of my what we got. One of them was uh, was Berserker, one of those new movie deluxes. Uh-huh. His transformation to robot mode instructions are so small that the picture illustrating where the weapons store on his body, I couldn't tell what was weapons and what was his body because there were just it was a, it was a smudge on the paper with with slightly different like a purple hue on two sectors near the top of the smudge. It was awful. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I just want to call out also on the front page. They're, they're implying that the chairs lost this fight. And if you actually watch this video, I mean, do you guys agree with me? I think the chairs won. Like, they may have been destroyed, but they won. Yeah. That's a pure victory, but... Yeah. A moral victory, I think. Yeah, they won the fight that matters, which is being used as chairs. Um... The other video, though, that came out, so I was already going like, man, they got they got Peter Cullen to be silly because they also earlier had that one with him in the vocal coach. Uh, but then they, they had one with uh, not just Hound, but also also Josh Duhamel. I always forget his actual character name. Uh, and uh, I thought that Lennox? was actually yeah, Lennox. Lennox. Is yeah, Epps is Epps is Tyrese. Um, so they, 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 they have this video where uh, Hound is like, how am I supposed to act against this tennis ball on a stick? You know, making fun of what it is to work with CG characters. Josh Duhamel's like, no, nah, I'll, I'll read with you. And Hound's like, no, nah, I'll take the ball on the stick. And I was like, there's <laughs> some meta here. Like, that's some, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's pretty darn good. Uh, I like I like it was an utterly self-deprecating piece of promo material. Very high budget as well. Uh, probably my, my favorite piece of movie media in a good long time. <laughs> Probably enough. <laughs> 
Uh, I like this one a lot. I don't know about you guys. Um, yeah, this is probably my favorite of their little extra videos. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there is something very funny about, especially because it seems like this is real writing. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's not a ton, but it still is just you know. There's it, there's it's cleverness the, the to it. There's wit thing and flipping it around. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're letting the robots talk in the promo material, which I, I mentioned on Twitter. Like, I think this is also kind of just a step forward for the movies. Not a step forward that's really positive. More like a why is this a step forward kind of step forward. But like, this is promo material where the robots get to talk and they get to you know have character. Whereas usually when they do this kind of promo stuff, to my memory, it's always Peter Cullen and he's usually being dour and stoic. And then they'll give him like a dad joke or two where he's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like when he did, when he did the top ten on Letterman. Uh, where they like you know they'll throw in a couple a couple jokes for Optimus to say, but he'll be all awkward and dad like. Whereas now you know they're kind of just taking their pants off, and I, I I appreciate that. Um, do you guys think we might see any more of these before next week? I hope so. Um, maybe one or two. I really hope they did one for every Autobot, you know, or at least enough to have every Autobot appear in these. It does seem strange to me that Prime has had two, Hounds had one. We have yet to see anything for Bumblebee. He's also the one that I'm the least interested in having one because he doesn't really talk. <laughs> I would love to see like the onset animal wrangler handling Grimlock. That would be pretty fun. Uh, or what if they have a Bumblebee one where they get some other celebrity to play his like quote unquote actual voice? <laughs> like have Gilbert Gottfried as like, oh god as like this is Bumblebee when the cameras aren't rolling. just a thought mm-hmm. um and uh there's i mean there's also so, like there's new trailer things and whatnot but like that's just like hey look more of the movie we can see before you see the movie so i found that less interesting um but yeah i i hope there's some more of this i'd love it if they did one with ken watanabe did one with uh, john dimaggio like i give me some more of the scum wad autobots being scum out of character as well as in character uh Anyway, to close this up, uh, before we close it up, actually, we got a, a somewhat related listener question from Requiem Prime, which was, Dear Evangelist and crew, now that the Autobots are scum, what would you say if a few movies later we found out that the movies was a take on the Shattered Glass universe the whole time? Uh, that So here, here's how I would see that. <clears throat> uh, that, that would be uh, on par with It Was All a Dream, as far as, like, the laziest ass, lazy kind of, like, just build a trap door kind of writing like if you're gonna if you're gonna do that just nix that the movies even happened and write a new one like Mm -hmm. don't even that's the kind of thing where like people want to ascribe maybe a level that doesn't that doesn't exist to the meta of the films i love me some meta but no like i think playing pretend like you know for 10 years we're looking at the shattered glass universe like that's that doesn't that doesn't really activate anything in my head uh so I would I would be disappointed if that was the case. Um, I don't know about you guys. I just wanted to to nip that one. Yeah, it almost seems like I wouldn't even say shattered glass because at least early on we did have look at uh, Autobots who were more or less interested in protecting the planet, and they've just slowly become more horrible as pe- just as people. Well, no, they all, they all they all just got killed off. Yeah, all the good ones got killed <laughs> off. They they murdered That's, all the nice ones. Yeah, it's it's nothing but jerks and bumblebee left. Yeah, they're the ones who survive. <laughs> yep. 
I, I wouldn't say it doesn't feel like shattered glass or anything because it because there's no such thing as a good Decepticon yet. Well, well with the exception of Wheelie. The thing I think one of the things about shattered glass that is necessary for shattered glass to work is for it to be the second universe you're looking at. So I don't think you can say this is a shattered glass universe and then show me the quote unquote good one because that means the quote unquote good one is the shattered glass universe. Think okay, about that's it. okay. You're getting you're you're getting fourth dimensional on me now. I know. Yeah. Hey, listen. I just I just I don't know if I told you guys about this. I just tried doing an experimental uh, desk cleaning using coke as a as a medium. Yeah, picks up a lot of dust actually. <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of hair and skin particles too. Stuff that comes off the human body, and then like ends up under a desk. Um. I think it, I think the coke is supposed to eat through a lot of that too. So I don't know. I'm gonna try hydrochloric acid next time, uh, just for fun. Just but, be sure uh, to get it in your eyes. That that really lets you know how good it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I'm making it okay. Aaron says, "Get the acid in my eyes." Okay. I'll be sure to do that. Um. Anyway, let's let's finish our video sandwich with another slice of John Warden. Ben Montano's in this as well. No disrespect to him. It's just that I, I've. I, I like saying John Warden a lot, and John Warden's become very much a face man from uh, from the team. But uh, the, Has- the Hasbro dudes uh, from the Transformers team specifically put up a video, uh, again, very well put together video, where they're basically telling you all about how, like, hey, Transformers fans, maybe if you want, you can come to Hascon, you know, maybe come to come on down to Hascon. We'll be here. We'll have an exclusive. We can you can talk to us. Come on over to Hascon, Transformers fans, and. Uh, it wasn't like a bad video, but the whole time I was watching it, for whatever reason, in the back of my head, I was like, yo, guys, I spent like a whole podcast talking about how Hascon's clearly not in any way supposed to be like a full on replacement for BotCon. So stop talking about it as though it's the full on replacement for BotCon, please. But uh, yeah, they, they are actually they're put, trying to put in a big push. And uh, unfortunately... I, I don't see how someone who only is interested in Transformers could possibly get their money's worth out of making a whole trip out of going to Hascon. Uh, if you're interested in other Hasbro things, or if you live in the area, obviously just go for it. But like making a BotCon trip out of it feels to me like a recipe for disappointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that that would be like I don't know. That would be like going to New York Comic Con in order to be in the same town as like the Hasbro breakfast or something like it's not not quite the same as that but like if you're going to make a trip out of going to Hascon I think you've really got to be interested in more than just Transformers otherwise it just doesn't seem like you're going to have a lot to do yeah yeah if you look at the, you look at the uh things that they are offering up it's you know you, it's it looks like they are built on the botcon formula of the more you pay the more we give you as you come in Mm-hmm. which of course and one of those is oh hey we'll give you this like big gift box of stuff yeah but you know it's not like BotCon where oh well i'm gonna get a whole bunch of related transformers toys that i could have only dreamed of and would never come out in a store shelf no 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 there's gonna be my little pony in there there might be a mr potato head in there for all you know there might be a, a can of play-doh for all you know yeah, yep. and the, the the whole approach to it, the whole fandomly trademark thing, is it, it just it sounds to me like this is meant to be an event for a multi generational family of people who are all into stuff Hasbro makes, mm-hmm. and then, so a big box like that would be awesome because you'll get the things you're into, your kids will get the things they're into, blah blah blah. 
So like, it's just the whole, the fandomily thing to me is like, that's who it's for. So I don't know. There was a little bit about the messaging of that video where it it, it felt a little bit like it was like calling to the back of the room, uh, in at like the folks who maybe I don't know how to put this right. I feel like it was calling to a demographic who, for the most part, would have already made the decision, uh, given the context of this convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was very nicely made. And one of them, Ben Montano, I believe, actually said the word family out loud, and I laughed. Uh, I can't imagine what that's like having to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said it a bunch of times, but I enjoy saying it. Like, if, you, if you're you know, having to get in front of a camera and actually say it with a serious face and not say TM afterwards or something, like, I couldn't deal with that. Um, Aaron, uh, how did you feel about the Hascon promo? Um, I wish it actually said something to if you that makes sense well okay. i get you i, I mean get, they I get mean. they talked but... about like hey stuff's coming it's gonna be cool when it comes and it's gonna be stuff yeah That's... and and things and we're gonna have a thing and so it's, it's I one just of those videos like, where I they w- announce the announcement I'm... Yes. Yeah. That, and yes. That, that's that's what very much, it. and that and that's what I never really dug about when Botcon would do some of that stuff, of yeah. like, man, say, hey, you know, I I guess there is a level of like, hey, we're excited, we're working on stuff, we're working on 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 getting voice actors here, and working on getting artists here, and. We're, we've got Stan Bush. Okay, they did say Stan Bush, and they did a whole bunch of air guitar stuff, and I was like, it's Stan Bush, man. He'll show up if you tell him there's a cheeseburger in it for him. And you can have a table to sell <laughs> CDs, because the fans will buy CDs. But there's a point where you just got to be like, man, just, you got to push past that and actually say something. Yeah, it was the part when they said, we're going to have an exclusive, and we'll tell you about it later, when I was kind of like... This video seems like it's calling out really loud for the Transformers fandom to look at this convention more so than it maybe it already is. Mm-hmm. But you also don't have the thing ready to, to show us that'll make most people talk. So, the, yeah, the announcement of an announcement part is what made it feel like this is not the right word for it. I can't think of a better word for it. It, it, it felt like a, a form of desperation as far as a PR angle. Yeah. Uh, even though, like, clearly neither of those two guys were actually desperate. And, like, the Hasbro team is going to be at Hascon since it's at their HQ. Like, obviously, they'll all be there anyway. And mm-hmm. a lot of guys working on this stuff would probably love to have people there who are into what they're working on. So, you know, it, there is going to be something there for Transformers fans. It's just, like, if you're going to make a trip out of it as one might have made a trip out of a BotCon or a TFCon or a, a TF Expo, right. like, it just feels like that's not going to be uh, the same. It would be... Maybe this is also just the way that I think. Like, I think making a trip to just go see a theme park is a bit much. Like, you want to see what else is around there, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to go to Hascon, also make sure you're you're actually going to go take a look at Rhode Island and stuff, too. <laughs> you know, right. make, make the most out of, out of your time there. Uh, anyway, Hascon, uh, that's in September, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, as I said before, I really hope it goes well. Oh uh, yeah, September eight to ten, uh, and uh, I, I I just also really hope that an actual Transformers convention on an official level is is happening as well because I I really did feel like I was like I, I I genuinely feel like this is not meant to replace Botcon as an entity, uh, but if it ends up that it is, then that is a different story and it's it's 
not an amazing one. Yeah, I guess yeah. still the the thing that I I believe that most of us get caught on is that <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to have another pure Transformers convention. On an official level. On an official level. Yeah. Because it's a whole lot easier for them to say Transformers plus this other stuff that may not get a convention at all on their own. So, yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like we'll know for sure um, if there is no official Transformers show next year. Uh, Because I think I said before, like, this year would be the year where there wouldn't be one mm -hmm. because they're sorting out all their stuff. But right. if there's no Transformers show next year, then uh, I yeah totally would do the eating of the hat thing and be like, all right, Hascon is the replacement for Bacon for the most part. Um, I feel like they're trying to answer for like the less enthusiastic Bacons in the last few years by adding all their other franchises to the same ordeal. So it's supposed to be like Bacon and Friends I don't situation. Know, I don't know if it's as directly related as that, like so much as... See, like I think it's more of a, it's less focused on Transformers fans. The existence of Hascon, like I don't, I don't think there's really like a, yeah, I, I don't think there's a botcon reason for a thing Hascon is doing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's just it's their own thing that they're doing. Uh, I just, I really, yeah. I really hate that the conversation about it is treating it as a replacement for botcon because, like, if it's supposed to be a replacement for botcon, the messaging is not telling me that whatsoever until this video yeah. began to feed the idea into my head and i'm like well well stop doing that because this is a, a very poor replacement if you're going to actually start calling it that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, I feel like i feel like it's not going to actually be a replacement for botcon i feel like if this i feel like if this handles well in the future you might be able to buy like a transformer centric package to hascon yeah, where, like, that all seems your like exclusives a reasonable... and sh- yeah, like where all your swag yeah. is Transformers leaning, like a, tra- a Transformers one... version of the MTG and the D and D things they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Sure, like, well, okay, well, you can buy a Transformer package, you can buy a Magic the Gathering package, or you can buy a My Little Pony package, and you get swag based on that and event access based on that. Yeah, and I mean, like that—that that would be fine. Is just, I think another reason why I felt like. This was not telling me it's the Transformers convention uh, official replacement. Quote, replacement's not even the right word, I guess. But uh, is because there was this big MTG and D&D focus as far as the, the packages were concerned. And I was like, I feel like they would have just taken whatever exclusives they were going to do for Transformers, put them together and called them the Transformers like premiere ticket or whatever. Right. Uh, if, if that was going to be the case. But you know, I, I'm, and I'm trying to be realistic about it. Like, I, I, I don't want to overestimate what Transformers is as an entity, but I, I don't feel like it's unreasonable to see it as the, like their largest original IP. Uh, oh it, yeah, because it's got the billion dollar Hollywood movies behind it. Like, I don't want to become the blind fanboy who's making a Transformers podcast and thus acting as though Transformers is the center of the universe. No, 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 no. How much money did the Battleship movie make? Who? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of it uh anyway um to uh to to close up this part of the podcast before we get into the other part of the podcast we've got a listener question from rexidus uh who says good morning afternoon or indeterminate time of day to you fine folks of the transforming table brian back again with another question one thing i've always found odd why does it seem that every toy line has to relearn lessons uh why are last waves better than the first i would think all the lessons would have been learned by now john a click that is, I think, a really good question, 
to ask once you get used to this whole notion that we've talked about before of how it's always like a lion has often gets a pass on some of its toys in wave one. Uh, and then by the end, usually that's when some of the best figures are coming out. Uh, so I have my ideas on why this is a thing, uh, maybe more so when it was like straight up aesthetic swaps as well. Um, but I, I feel like it, it like as an example, um, and maybe this is a very case by case thing when you have like animated or you have prime, you have a team that's not only trying to make the transformer work, but it's trying to make the transformer work in the in the visual aesthetic of its designs and animated and prime both had extremely uh standout uh visual styles uh, rid as well um although i think rid actually rid follows this pattern too because it took until like the end of its first year for it to have those decepticon toys come out that just were hitting it out of the park um so i think that it is partly because of have of uh, adjusting to new visual styles uh, and I think it, it maybe is that you don't have, like, the entire team all working on the same toys uh, over and over again. Um, like, I think everyone ends up putting something into every line for the most part, you know, give or take. But I don't I don't think it's like whoever just learned the lesson of the last wave of animated was immediately then working on, like, the first wave of Prid, you know, like, or people from that team were working on it. But it's it's not like it is literally that is the next project cycling onto their desk. Um, Aaron, what do you think about this question and what are your answers? Um, I think there might be a couple of parts to it because one issue that'll happen is like each line is like sold as a package and, and we've seen kind of talk of that before of like, you know, sometimes the, you know, one part will end up, you know, one toy will end up kind of subpar. But the reason is, is that like, hey, we had so much budget to make deluxes. And generally we spread that across all of them. But hey, you know, this one kind of got more design mm -hmm. time or whatever at the cost of like, yeah, we had a couple of repaints that were maybe a little bit weak. And I think that... <clears throat> With the way that lines are, are are made, especially the last couple that have been very thematic, you know, all the Combiner Wars Deluxes were kind of quadruple changers to be a vehicle, a robot, an arm, and a leg. Mm -hmm. And how that relates to everybody being a headmaster now, you, that's it's kind of a different thing you have to learn how to do. Yeah, and I, I think it's easy from our perspective to also... Uh, you know, get out a big wide paintbrush and say something mm -hmm. like, isn't it just as simple as instead of having to figure out where the head folds away, you don't have to anymore. And it's like, from the end user perspective, yes, I expect when you're on the creative end, like you, since you're looking at it from like literally the other direction of its, of its creation, like it, it there's a good chance that that simple thing, everyone's head comes off, could have really thrown some curveballs. Uh, well, it's not just—it's not just the fact that the head comes off. It's the fact that somewhere on the toy, that head has to store away in some point for the seat for the Titan Master. That too, yeah. So there's still a big block of engineering dedicated to hiding the head, but now it—you know—you don't—you know—it's not so simple about where is that going to come from or where is it going to go. Yeah, there's right, got to be. Now, now you have to hide a little robot dude yeah, somewhere else on your robot dude. There's got to be a pocket, and going by the way the line turned out, they also seem to have the edict that pocket has to be in a logical place. 
can't mm-hmm. just be like, yeah, you open a hatch under the tank and stick the guy in there. It's like we have to actually put it in a cockpit position. Um, this is all. I mean, I'll, I'll disclaimer this quickly since none of us have ever made a toy uh, that none of us have ever made a toy. And the people who make mm-hmm. the toys have shared what they do share, but they have, they don't share everything. So you know, this is where maybe some years down the line, it would be great to get the whole designer commentary thing going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that um, it is not unreasonable to ask this question because I felt like I almost felt like I was asking this question after animated ended, you know, and we had like those two, the, what was it hot rod and RC ending the line two two excellent figures. And then, you know, go back to uh, to Prime First Edition and the first wave of Prid, and it kind of feels like stuff is all kind of getting relearned all over again in some ways. Although First Edition, I think, carried a lot of those lessons over in toys like Cliff Jumper. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that the aesthetic thing is a huge part of it, and and also line-wide play patterns. Because, like, let's look at, let's look at uh, current Robots in Disguise. It's First Wave. What was the weakest toy of that first wave, in my opinion, and a whole bunch of opinions? Steeljaw. Who's the funniest looking toy in that first wave? Steeljaw. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the toy that was trying to do the most weird stuff in wave one. Then you go forward, you know, a year, year and a half, look at toys like Bisque and like Thunderhoof and like uh, and uh, Quillfire. And it's like, yeah, if Steeljaw had just not happened in wave one. I think he would have turned out way better because they would. I think they would have had uh, a better idea of what they can do in the weirdness of this warrior price point. Whereas Wave 1 yeah. of, of Rid felt a whole lot like four deluxes that were struggling to not be deluxes. Uh, that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just the fact that, well, they they have uh, experience with that line. That does help. But they also have more time to think about some of the things that are coming down the line than the stuff that has to be out Wave 1. Yeah, right. absolutely. Like, there's that Wave 1 deadline. And, yeah. uh, and I think it's worth noting, too, like... I think there are lessons learned, just not overt ones, because like if there were no lessons being learned, it wouldn't be that Wave 1 toys sometimes end up weak. It would be that Wave 1 toys are like friggin like Marvel Megamorphers or like, you know, Star Wars crossovers Transformers, you know, like look at look at the stuff that was the Micro Machines team basically making Transformers with all the crossover stuff. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of, I think, lessons that maybe we as fans take almost for granted and almost rightfully so, given the pedigree of people working on Transformers stuff like. Oh, when I transform it into a robot, it'll stand. Or like, if uh, if if a piece if a piece is gonna fold away, it'll probably fold away. It won't. You know, it was uh, there was one of the Star Wars crossovers that like had some really weird oversights. Oh no, I can't. Was remember it like it was. the hand folded back, but it just stayed there? Yeah, like stuff moving there, for. There were a couple that didn't tuck well or at all. Like stuff moving for no discernible reason as opposed to even when something you know is visible in alt mode you can tell how it was attempting to be hidden mm-hmm. and you can kind of discern like oh the reason that isn't hidden is because you know if it's a hand oh it would have had to fold into the forearm but then this toy has this whole mechanism over here i bet you that's why the hand couldn't fold away into the forearm because uh, all this stuff is doing something instead um so i think like the baseline level of a transformers toy is kind of like one of those lessons learned that that does carry over from line to line. Um, it's one thing to think about that. Like you, you do have some things that carry over. And you know, I do think some of Titans return turn benefits from Combiner War greatly. Mm-hmm. But you also have to think about how often these things change up. 
Because not only do you have all the different shows that they have to jump between, but you also have the movies that come out every couple of years where the aesthetic is completely different, how they have to engineer the toys completely different. Yeah. I mean, they're they're learning some good movie lessons now. Like, I think there's a reason why every new Bumblebee toy half the time seems like it's a retool is because they, they did figure out a pretty good transformation skeleton for your basic Camaro Bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, but there's there still seem to evolve that a little bit though like the the new one that's coming out in wave three does look notably better than the last time i saw that camaro it, it is there's also little things like those those two parts of the rear uh wheel wells that always end up on his hips mm-hmm. um because they satisfy the l-shaped yellow piece that ends up there on the cg model and like there's little things where it's like or um you know uh hot rod um who is if you ignore him from the knees down, he's just using the transformation skeleton of lockdown, but is is almost a 100% new toy. I'm almost I'm actually really bummed out that he's got lockdown's lower legs because literally <laughs> everything else is different to the point of him being a different scale. And I'm like, oh, man, like that's that's one where I would love to know, you know, not for any kind of nefarious reason. I just would really like to know, like so much of him is new, except from the knees down. I wonder why the knees down stayed the same. We really the, the, we had one designer who really likes those legs, felt they were underappreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, He's the, just a leg man altogether. The, mm-hmm. the lock, the lockdown calf is a thing of beauty. No one appreciates but me. <laughs> But also, Lockdown himself used the transformation scheme of uh, Dark of the Moon Roadbuster. Um, you know, that whole thing of toys that will reuse a transformation scheme because it works, I think is an mm-hmm. example of, of a lesson that is learned and carried over. Um, you know, the number of toys that do the Aerial Bot trick now uh, from Combiner Wars. Where, you know, a lot of Combiner Wars toys did it, but the Aerial Bots were kind of the first ones to do it in Wave 1. Where instead of the instead of the leg telescoping out, the lower leg is, is a double hinged thing that opens up to reveal the upper leg. Um, so you don't have to worry about sliders maintaining their their uh, their tensile strength. Uh, it's all hinged stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think that there are times where even now, like I, I look at like a wave one toy and I'm like, oh my god, guys, like what? Why is this wave like? I'm I'm bummed out sometimes to see certain characters in wave one because I'm like, oh, if they were in wave three, their toy would be so much better. Uh, I'm trying to think actually if there's anything with with the current movie line that feels that way. I don't I don't really think so. Um, since well, a lot the current, of, yeah, it's, it's a lot of repaints and remolds in the first waves. Yeah, it almost like, feels like the way they've solved this problem for movie five is they just have really decent toys in wave one, but only a couple of them. And then instead right. of trying to design four new toys, they design like two and then bring forward two other toys. Right. Uh, the only the only thing that I think feels a little off is uh, that Voyager Optimus. I'm really convinced now by that theory that the Voyager Transformers 5 Optimus is a, a carryover design that was worked on back at for Age of Extinction. Um, it just has a certain feel to it where it's like, this is so much better than the leader toy. This feels like so, this project must have at least been started back in you know 2014. Uh, but yeah, um, it's a it's a worthwhile question to ask completely. And I hope someday we can learn even more about this stuff on like a person to person designer level. But I understand why they wouldn't just go out and explain their whole process because of the nature of what Hasbro is as a company. Um, they're not independent artists working on this stuff. They're they are within the bowels of a corporation. Uh, corporations are not our friends. The people inside them definitely can be. Don't trust the machine. Any other thoughts on, on this question? Not really. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right, then let's uh, let's talk about some what we got this week. 
Uh, I got some Transformers this week. But did you guys get some Transformers this week? Aaron, did you get any Transformers this week? I did. My God Bomber came in the day after our recording. What the f- what the flip? All right. Yeah. So uh, if oh, I remember, I was trying to push it back a day to get all the all the fun toys, but you said no. Yeah, I, I had reasons. I forgot what they were now. Um, but I did. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. Tell me about God Bomber. Uh, so God Bomber, he's a bomber. That's uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw you out that with what? Okay, so, you know, knew all along that it's a parts former, and the the rough aspects of him being a parts former are um, just the way that everything comes back together for his trailer mode, and the fact that the way that his um, that the his lower arms come off they don't hold back together, at least on my copy, very well to the stubby bits that are his like upper arm and elbow joint. Yeah, it sounds like in general that that figures I, I know at least yeah. one person on my timeline actually got a really solid one, but a lot of people didn't. It sounds like with enough tender love and care with chemical fluids that thicken things. Yeah, he can, he can that, become nicer. See, this is one that because the way that I would have to put a lot of thickening agent in two or three places because not only is, at least on my copy, the peg holes and slot that hold that in place not very tight, but then also just the the pin joints and the, like the four places around it where it has pin joints mm-hmm. aren't the best either. So you kind of get a one-two punch of... Um, for the, I think it's his right arm on mine that is pretty bad. The, the other one holds decently, uh, but the one side is very rough. So that doing anything other than tearing him apart to put him on prime, it doesn't hold together very well. So Mm. turning him into the trailer, it doesn't work because there's so many fidgety little, this piece has to tab to this piece while tabbing to this piece. And this thing has to sit here. I mean, they've done some pretty ingenious different ways to try and hold everything together. The fact that you use the the feet and to tab slots that are on top of the like part of the robot shoulders to help hold everything together. Those little touches aren't bad. I wish that there was just something more that locked it together so that it would be more swooshable, so that it could be more played with. Yeah. If that makes it it just doesn't have that durability. It, it, um, sound, to, it sounds it sounds a lot like like what the previous decades idea of I guess the early previous decades idea of like a high end transforming toy was, which is it has all this engineering, therefore it is not a plaything, right? And it's kind maybe. of like one of the advances I think of the last ten years is like something can be impressive and also be designed in such a way that it is also you know swooshable as you said, right? <clears throat> and I guess that's the the biggest drawback to me is mm. you know i mean he looks great as as prime armor or Ginrai armor and i wish that just like the only issues that i have him as armor is like the combiner port upper legs that just kind of hang out in space behind his heels yeah well it, you know it it, it, it it definitely seems like a case where he's armor first god bomber robot second and trailer kind of a trailing third the the impression i got is like everything about him where he ends up like there's a piece just hanging out somewhere 
through serendipity or not, that piece ends up being like a jointed thing that ends up being a, a stabilizer you can deploy to help the toy not fall over as easy. And then I almost mm -hmm. wonder if maybe that was by design and then didn't make it into the documentation. Uh, like yeah, the, you can you can take those combiner uh, legs that are behind his heels and like wedge them up into the the ankles of regular Jinrai and like that can help him not like topple and, and stuff like that. Um, this is all me just reading opinions though. I have, I haven't messed with the figure yet myself. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, the way that almost all of his accessories combine back into his cannon is cool. I just wish that the, the method that you put the cannon in the middle, again, it's a case of there are, you know, on his his gun lower part, there are two slots and there are two kind of tabs, but the the it just doesn't fit and hold. Yeah. <clears throat> There's just a bunch of like, I wish it got uh, like another layer of polish to bring everything together. Maybe a few more like C-clips or something. Yeah. Like even, and even really if it was in. just like like full on a clip tab hold type thing, something where there's more like positive friction, positive connection type stuff. Yeah. Oh, I have a story about that with something I got this week. Let me tell you, I, I get mm -hmm. where you're coming from, where it's like, it's nice that there are all these little tabs, but they all feel like supporting tabs. Mm -hmm. And there's no actual main tab that they're yeah, supporting. Like, like those are the alignment and hold tabs, not the... Yeah. Lock in place. Yeah. Now I dig it. That that That's always a bummer because then it's like, well, now I just want to I feel like I'm supposed to sit here and figure out how to make one of these into a locking tab, which is not mm -hmm. impossible, but it's a whole bunch of work. And, you know, I have to completely admit that it's not a great thing if a toy becomes good because I did a bunch of extra work to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eight hours and two bandsaw blades later. It's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. I turned it on my lathe, and it <laughs> it's a great bowl now. Um, but in general, like, are you still are you still digging the figure? Like, it's not a regret purchase. Oh yeah, I'm 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 glad that I have it for sure. Um, yeah, it definitely lets uh, Ginrai stand up differently than the Power Master Prime was. Um, and you know, taking the lineage of that toy kind of all the way back to Ultra Magnus, it it makes all three of them very different from yeah. each other and that yeah i don't regret it i you know i wish it had maybe been out stateside and not nearly as expensive as what it was to get something imported but hey takara toys it's always going to be that that fun dance yeah well i think there's still a decent chance it'll end up in one of the the other two box sets that they're ostensibly going to be putting out yeah and it'll be interesting to see, like, if there are any differences at all. Like, it wouldn't be crazy. It would be crazy, wouldn't it, if, like, the box set version that may or may not happen ends up, like, having really tight tab connections everywhere? Mm-hmm. That would be a, that would be almost as much of a bummer as releasing Super Jinrai and God Bomber as a box set with two Headmaster Juniors, and the only way to get them is to get the box set of, of the toys you just finished buying. Yeah, that'd be horrible. It sounds like that box set's actually slightly different. It sounds like they're adding Chrome to God Bomber. So it makes me feel like, all right, buy a worse version of the two toys I just bought. Mm -hmm. uh, no, but we swear this isn't like the old Vac Metal Chrome. <laughs> yeah, we've on, improved on, it. Honestly. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, is it, a, is it a layer of flakable metallic that's on top of a layer of plastic? And you're like, yeah, well, it is. But Yeah, yeah look, that has yeah. nothing to do with it. 
<laughs> it's it's better because we said so. Listen, collectors love it. Yeah. All right. Co- yeah. See, at that at that point, the headmaster juniors are almost an apology. Yeah. Well, no, if they were that an would apology, be funny. that would be funny. If it is no, no, they really want to put Chrome on it. They do. Oh crap! What do we got? Oh, we got to do something to bring this up. Well, we were, what, we if were we, gonna... what if we put the two headmaster juniors in there? Yeah, put Cab and Minerva in there. Everyone will be happy about that, right? <laughs> Rather than releasing them as a two pack at Tokyo Toy maybe, Show, like they'll maybe maybe they won't notice. Maybe they won't notice the Chrome. You think that might happen? You think? Sigh. Um. Well, I'm glad you got yours. Uh, I don't know precisely when I'm going to get mine because it's still in a in one of those piles of warehouse uh, stash whatevers. Mm-hmm. Piles of private Pri- piles of private stash. Stash, yeah. I think that's all. I thought words. I had something. I thought I had something, and it just didn't happen. Uh, did you guys? This slight slight aside. Have you guys looked at the new Big Bad Toy Store? Yeah. Huh. Uh, how how new they, did they do something? They did a site revamp. Yeah, it's oh no, oh no. it's literally like right, completely right, new right site. Down ah. to, right down to the back end. <laughs> oh, you looked at it. Okay. Ah. Uh. So so TJ, you've looked at it. Yeah. Huh. What do you Looking think of it now? It? What do you think of the the the, the site revamp they did? <laughs> it's kind of takes some getting used to. There are He's positive things I can say about it. I feel like. But I feel like every positive thing I could say gets counteracted by a new negative thing. It's a slick-looking website. I give it that. It's it's, it's mobile ready, mobile no, ready, very very visual. But there's about ten percent of the information on each page now. Mm-hmm. Like rather than like it was certainly a mess the front page before, but also there was so much info, and now it is like a whole lot of other vendor sites where you have to actually click through a lot of pages to see stuff. I don't know. Here's my, I have a beef about it. I'll just air my beef. Have you looked at TJ? Have you looked at your pre-orders page in it yet? No, you have me worried now. Okay. So you know how big bads pre-orders were organized by release date. Uh huh. They're now organized by when you made the pre-orders. Oh, God. And uh, as far as anyone can tell, there's no way to, to reorganize it. So the that is a thing that's common to, to some other vendor sites I've used. Like HLJ, I think, has that. Uh, I was pretty darn bummed to see that disappear because not only that, I, I have like 13 pre-orders. And I think they display like 10 per page. So now I have to click through multiple pages to look at all my pre-orders. And they're not organized by release date. Jeez, it's not even that. I've got like four orders per page. Four Jeez. or five. Okay. Maybe I misremembered my numbers. Some. All I know is I had to click through multiple pages to see all my pre-orders. And the month of release was spread across the two pages. And like, it just bothered me. I really hope that a lot of people are being a lot less polite about it. So hopefully something on their back end can be programmed in in the next few months to, you know, be able to organize by release date. Because I think that is... Uh, for for a site that has like you know the pile of loot system and everything and and store credit stuff like that is imperative for a lot of people to actually be yeah. able to to look at all that because you yeah of course you can make your own spreadsheet at home but then like why bother maybe just don't pre order things anymore <laughs> it's the first thought that the first thought that crossed my mind I actually canceled a couple pre orders because I was like I don't want to have to scroll through three pages so I like, canceled a couple <laughs> pre orders I don't want to scroll I'll just cancel. That was my default response to the situation. A uh, little bit of friction. Yeah. 
No. Anyway, um, surprise, Aaron, we got you a Friday and a new front yeah. page for the, one of your vendor sites. Uh, DJ, did you get any Transformers this week? Uh, actually, no. Ah, I'm just kind of sitting back waiting for things to come out now. Yeah, well, we are definitely at a point where people are waiting for things to come out. Uh, I've been trying to find uh, movie Voyager Megatron because somebody I know found one, but they found only one. Uh, for me right now, it's a war of attrition between whether or not I get Sky Shadow or actually manage to wait for Overlord. <clears throat> well, I, I can tell you that while I was trying to find that Megatron, one of the wall, the main Walmart I go to had like f three or four Sky Shadows all sitting on the bottom shelf. And I was looking at them going like, I bet you some Americans still don't have this figure. Yeah, they, you, I'm one of them. I've not seen any leaders past uh oh what would it have been Power uh, Prime? yeah i guess wave one yeah and i went yeah. to a specialty store for that one well you know if you want some sky shadows we got them in canada okay i mean i'll be up there in a little bit so yeah. i mean it's i mean it's sitting in stock big bad if you can find it <laughs> it's it's on yeah. their front page all right it's on the it's one of like the 16 thumbnails on the front page it's <laughs> I'm seeing Titans Return Legends and a life-size Leonardo. Well, last time I looked at it, it was on the front page, at least. You know you know what they did fix is the search function isn't as pedantic about your use of words anymore. Like, you know how their search function used to be so terrible you actually had to search for not just keywords, but they had to be as a block, a set of keywords that would show up in something? Like, if you look for Transformers Prime you wouldn't find anything called Optimus Prime necessarily. Like, they, they have a regular search now, which is nice. Oh, okay. But I, I wish that the pre-order page didn't do what it did. Uh, I got some Transformers today, because we got sales in Canada, and I found some stuff that I could use with a coupon. So I got a little bit of everything. Uh, the first, the, the biggest thing I got is uh, Toys R Us Canada is having yet another sale on Transformers 5 toys. Because... Uh, there are a lot of Wave 1 Transformers 5 toys, and I think Toys R Us Canada is not going to sit on its laurels for very long. It doesn't want to have those uh, well past the release of the movie. So I picked up Berserker, uh, who's like the, the other Wave 1 Deluxe I was kind of into. He's uh, sort of a remake of Crankcase in a way. He's one of the dreads. I like the robot mode a ton. Uh, I like the intended vehicle mode a whole lot, too. It's a very clever transformation. Here's the thing about him. You know that thing we were talking about, Aaron, just recently about, like, when you have a whole lot of supporting tabs and no actual, like, primary tabs? Mm-hmm. His whole transformation ends up hinging on a bunch of little tiny tabs that are not very good at what they do. And you know how you had your problem with Wheelie? Yes, you the know, trying... four corners problem. Yeah. Imagine now if instead of four corners, you were trying to align 16 corners. And that is... That... That is Berserker's that alt mode. A, like a factor of four worse. He's a, he his his alt mode problem is basically a denser version of Wheelie's problem. Where instead of where Wheelie had like four spots to tab together, this guy has like four on each side. And so as you try to do the circle around the vehicle mode, tabbing each thing in, surprise, surprise, once you cycled back around to, to the side you started on, suddenly some completely different part is untabbed now. So you think, oh, I'll tab that in. Then you feel something. You turn around, look at the other side. Oh, that part just came untabbed. I'll push that in. Then something on the opposite side comes untabbed. And then suddenly you've spent 10 minutes with this stupid thing. 
Uh, I've started to figure out the process, but it does not feel good. Uh, and he has, like, like with Wheelie, and I got a good Wheelie, but like with Wheelie, if you take this guy's vehicle mode and squeeze it in your hand, everything comes undone. <laughs> it looks like he got stepped on. Uh, and then to compound matters, there are two sections of the car that end up on his forearms. Uh, for whatever reason, they are not glued to his forearms, and they can just be untabbed from his forearms. And the untabbing from his forearms will happen also if you apply pressure in a direction that matches, say, the direction of pressures when you're trying to tab the vehicle mode together. So sometimes while you're doing all this, part of the rear fender also just falls off. And then you're trying to tab it back into the arm inside the car, which is in the opposite direction from the tabs that are trying to go into the vehicle panels. So Berserker is... is uh, he, he's unfortunate. He's almost a really good toy, except for the part where it friggin' sucks to turn him into a vehicle. And I've se I've seen people say, oh, well, my Berserker's fine. Uh, well, my Wheelie was fine. You and I are clearly in the minority on these particular figures, dear person who is saying their Berserker is fine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it sucks, because otherwise, like, his, his robot mode, I think, is really well done. It's a very decently posable robot uh, with digitigrade legs. Um... And he stands pretty well, despite, like, he's got little fold-out heel tabs. And another funny thing, on mine, one of the heel tabs that folds out, it's all just friction joints. So one of his heels is also tremendously loose. And it can fold past the part where it would hold his foot up pretty well. Uh, until it hits the wheel well. So it just loses about 5 degrees. But, like, his robot mode is remarkably good, considering how uh, the problems that plague putting the vehicle mode together could have carried over to the robot mode easily. So something went right with this guy, but... Uh, yeah, oh. do not do not pay full price for this dude, because um, trying to make him into a vehicle will make you get very angry about the thirty Canadian dollars you potentially spent. Um, I also found Braun uh, at uh, at Dufferin Mall, so I found me I found me a Braun finally, and uh, guess what? Turns out everyone's right. Braun is a pretty good Legends toy. Uh, the weird thing is, I have I have this one problem with him. So he's got all these 5mm ports. Uh -huh. They all seem to be about a micrometer too big for a 5mm peg, namely the one that's on the handle of the Titan Master Brawn vehicle. Uh -huh. uh, so I can get that's it to no mount... That's fun. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of annoying. I can, I can get it to mount on one of his forearms, which is great, because that's one of the places I'd like it to go. But yeah, I, I need to test some other stuff out. Like It just feels like my Brawn ended up with like really weird um, crevices. Uh, the slot inside his cockpit for the heel tab on the Titan Masters was also kind of missized. It's starting to work a bit better now, but it was just tricky. Um, also, I'm kind of disappointed that his cockpit thing, like the, the part that folds up, when I fold it back down, it's just sitting there and held in by friction. I was kind of hoping it would peg in or tab into something. Because uh, it's lo just loose enough that sometimes it just starts flapping open when he's in robot mode, and then if I didn't get the Titan Master heel tab tabbed in right, then... You know, the brawn I put inside of him falls out of his back, and it's embarrassing for everybody. But uh, otherwise, yeah, Braun is uh, just a, a nice, solid little Legends toy. I would say he's in the middle. Um, Wheelie is still my favorite. Uh, Bumblebee is still my least favorite. And Braun's kind of in the center as far as the uh, the Titan's Return takes on minibots. Um, and then uh, I also got me a tiny Turbo Titan. I tried to just use the plastic color in the window trick, and I got... I also got impatient, so when I spotted the color that Blackout is, I said, well, I, Blackout's one I want, so I, I got Tiny Turbo Changer uh, Blackout, and uh, he certainly is weird. 
uh, and I'm I'm extremely tempted to try painting him up because he it, it's really hard to resist. Like you look at him and you're like, you know how easy it would be to just paint in the windows on this helicopter mode. Look at him some more. You know how easy it would be just with Gundam marker to just put in some metallics on this robot mode. Like it's it's very tempting. Um, huh. So uh, I, I need I, I'm still trying to figure out which other ones I want. Like I think I just kind of want Soundwave and Lockdown maybe, but. Uh, if I have to do more work than the work I did finding Blackout to get them, I might just forget about it. Like I'm not, not really chomping at the mm -hmm. bit for them. No, Lockdown's kind of easy to find, even though that he's got the same gray color as Soundwave and Sideswipe. Mm -hmm. Because if you can like squeeze the rear of him up to that little window, his head peeks up. Oh, so this is the other thing. I'm even with a little window on the back. I am terrible at identifying blind bag things. Like, trying to maneuver them to get to where the window is took me longer than it probably should have. Uh, so I'm starting to wonder if I just have, like, a tremendous motor skill problem. <laughs> but that's good to know about Lockdown. I also forgot Sideswipe was even in that assortment. So that's also good to know. Um, but yeah, uh, I believe that does it for my what I got this week. So I finished... Uh, find, I'll find the picture I took. I finished a, a Shapeways uh, assisted custom, uh, which is worth sharing. Because uh, I mentioned some time ago that I got some Shapeway stuff from uh, Prize Inside, which is Trent Troop's Shapeway store. Um, and one of the things I got was, uh, I, I got some stuff done in high-def black acrylate, which is the the new jam on Shapeways. It's the uh, the Shapeways material that actually kind of looks like uh, production plastic. And I don't know how to get this image to just show by itself on Twitter, so give me a sec here. But... Uh, I got the head and gun that he made for uh, Dispensor being made out of Titan's Return Rewind, which is very specific, because there's like a label set for it. But uh, here is the picture I took. I finished painting everything except for his uh, his gun, um, like his, his Shapeways gun, but that's the Shapeways head. And uh, that's like the label set, and then I painted stuff metallic green, I painted some stuff black. So now I've got this like happy little Dispensor who can actually turn into a little vending machine. Because uh, the the stickers make the tablet mode just look like a vending machine, and it is uh -huh. it is frighteningly in scale with Titan Masters. Which, and when you're done with that, you're going to give it to me at TFCon, right? Um, that's uh, that is a theory. That's an interesting theory. I'll have to run it by my people. Okay. Um, but I'm just grabbing two more photos for you guys. I took a picture with uh, Brainstorm's Titan Master next to the vending machine. Like, I didn't even notice this with, with the stickers until I finished it, but, like, it, to me, it looks in scale. If Titan Masters are very tiny people, it, it looks in scale. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was happy to finish this up. Um, I'm all empowered with customizing and painting things right now because I got, I got some bamboo skewers with alligator clips glued and taped to the top that I stick into a styrofoam block. Now, all of a sudden, I'm an artist. Uh, so I'm I'm starting to already look at other toys and go like I should just repaint stuff on this guy too, or like Titans Return Bumblebee. I got uh, Trent Troop did a, a couple heads that fit on that body, but I got one uh to turn it into hubcap. So I gotta I gotta finish painting that hubcap head. Um, but that is all from what I got this week. That is on topic. Uh, going off topic. Uh, TJ, did you get any off topic stuff uh, this last week? Um, not so much, but I got a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nothing especially toy-centric. I did one of those things where, uh, I had a video idea. Mm-hmm. 
which is always a bad place to start any purchase. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I have this uh, big bag of gaming dice that I picked up, mm-hmm. which sounds lovely. Well, you can do things with those. Like Aaron has like tons of dice, and I'm like, you know, I'm sure he has ideas. Uh, I I have what's probably starting to venture into a disgusting amount of dice, but still <laughs> not too many. Because you can never have too many dice. Mm. So uh, there's a company called Wiz Dice that puts out a bag of holding, which mm. is 140 oh. dice, basic colors, you know, standard rainbows in opaque translucent. And the follow-up is what I got, which is the bag of devouring, which is all uh, basically FX dice. So a lot more adventurous in the color schemes, a lot more metallics and glitters and all kinds of neat things. And they all come with like, they all come with very D and D names, you know, fairy fire, basilisk blood, that kind of thing. Uh, they have some of the prettiest dice I've ever seen, like like metallic purple and gold letter uh, numbering. Ooh, uh, there's like multiple shades of metallic green and gold, which is beautiful to me. Uh, Aaron, they have the worst dice I've ever seen. They are completely clear. Is... They are completely clear dice with white numbers. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, we had somebody at one of my tables that had a very dark brown uh, with black numbering on it. That, that was a head clacker. So do you get because, that? Get because that they'd roll and then three people would all come together like, oh, what? what is that? Is that a is that an 18 or a 16 or a 8? Do you get that to harass the DM or do you just get that? <laughs> out of a mistake like how does one end that up that was with, with... Uh, i think that one came from like a, a like one of the pound of dice type things but le- yeah I mean, leave those ones at home though if they're illegible <laughs> yeah. yeah well people think well, it's, it's fine because you get all of those dice and it goes into a giant dice bag and then it like you need some d20s so you pull out two or three d20s and then oh wait a second that crappy one is still in there Oh well, I'll still use it. But no, because but it's, yeah, you, see, you see it like, oh, it's the crappy one no one can read. I'll throw it at the DM. <laughs> but it's it's one of those dice where you if you roll it, it's fine for you. You can see it because it's your yeah. die and you're right above it. But you know, no one else at the table knows what you just rolled. Right. Mm. Like if you're playing with one of those people that like roll their die close like really close to their side of the table and then swoop the die up after it's stopped no absolutely not that that could cause problems but yeah most anybody that i played with was very open about their roles and so it wouldn't be uh i'm getting this so i can obfuscate what i'm rolling right situation yeah, I'm just because those aren't I'm, the people that you want to play with either. I'm loud about my rules because usually I want people to know what I just did. I got a four. Is yeah. that good? That's well, part of the uh, reason. Was <laughs> usually I don't know whether die, so that's that's not a good one. Usually I am yelling what I rolled because I don't know what it means if I'm playing some kind of tabletop game. No, it's it's a it's a cool dice set. The bag is very well made. So it's like stitched so that it stays upright if you lay down, which is nice. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a. It's one of those things where I randomly sh- I randomly found that one day, put a bookmark on it going, if I have some spare cash kicking around. And then like months later, I come up with a video idea. I go, 
Oh, I need like a hundred dice for that to work. Oh, wait. I have a bookmark. So that's my justification. Now I have a reason. And I didn't specifically think of the reason just to get this. So put, put them all in a, in a cup with some uh, with some two-part resin to make them into a blank and then turn them on a lathe and, and make a make a glass out of them. I've seen I've seen that done with color pencils. It looks really cool. I've fallen into a hole with one of those channels. <laughs> and then I fell into a weirder hole. But before I before I say what the hole is, uh, anything else off topic this week that you want to talk about? Uh, not in particular. It's it's been a weird two weeks, so it's been pretty light on the purchasing. All right, well, I, so I fell down this hole. I was because I was watching this is Peter Brown's channel where he does a lot of a lot of dipping and wood turning stuff. It's all cool. Somehow this led me to a channel where a guy reviews mouse traps and like their effectiveness. And I was like, well, I guess that's a niche. But then I saw he even reviews like ancient mouse traps. And then I saw he had a video where he got a mouse trap from like 1852 uh, and tried it out. And he uses motion cameras to show whether or not they work because he lives on a farm where there are mice. Uh, and then I noticed, oh, he, he uh, when the trap doesn't kill a mouse, he always lets them go. And, oh, he took a botworm out of that mouse to let it have a happier life. Oh, botworms are gross. Why did he tear it in half in front of the camera? That made a terrible noise. Uh, but then I saw he had a video about him catching a skunk. So let me tell you the story of this video I watched. Is he's like, all right, so I have he has a chicken coop. He's like, I have my chicken coop uh, came this morning. One of, one of my chickens is dead. And he's standing over like this dead chicken. And he's like, a skunk did this. I could tell it with my cameras. So I, I'm going to try, try to trap that skunk. So he makes this, you know, primitive trap, uh, good survival skill knowledge, where it basically like scissors a weight uh, it scissors some logs around a skunk's neck to break its neck uh, to kill it humanely uh, as possible. Uh, this got cinematic already when the guy like baited the trap with the dead chicken's head. So I was like, you're making this personal. Uh, but then he talked about his code, his personal code, which is like if he does kill a large animal, he feels he must then make use of it. So he's like, all right, well, next video, I'm going to uh, skin and eat this skunk. And I was like, pardon me? <laughs> so then I watched the next video where he like skins the skunk and he's like trying not to hit the scent glands. And then he cooks it over the fire. And he's like, I like to take the heart out and cook it separately. And I was like, pardon me? <laughs> So he eats the skunk's heart. So the the skunk that killed his chicken, he used the dead chicken to bait and kill the skunk and then ate its heart. Uh, and then went on to explain as he tried to eat the piece of the rest of the skunk. He's like, yeah, skunks taste like their smell. So I can't finish this. It's nauseating. And then I saw he also had a video where he caught and ate a rat. And I watched a whole video of him prepping a rat over a fire. And then he not only removed the rat's heart separately to cook separately, he also removed its testicles separately. And then I went, wait a second, I've spent the last hour watching this guy. I went from happy art projects to, to, <laughs> to pest trapping to this man is, is removing the heart and balls of a rat and barbecuing them and eating them. And so I walked away from my computer for at least 20 minutes. And I never went back to that hole. That's a YouTube hole I fell down. Like, how do you go from art projects to a man vindictively eating a skunk? It wasn't even vindictive, because you can tell in his tone, he genuinely is operating under a code of honor. And I was like, well, even there's something respectable about that. But also, you, like, you removed its heart and cooked it separate. And then you said, well, the heart tastes like meat, so the heart's good, but the rest of it tastes like skunk. And I'm like, oh, good. The heart tastes like meat. Good to know. Uh... 
I told my brother about this, and he was like, "So what happens if someone like gets their finger stuck in the mousetrap? Does he just like fixate his eyes on them and cut out their heart and eat their heart?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I didn't go that deep into his channel, so I don't know." <laughs> uh, well, anyway. one of the neighbor kids wound up in one of the bear traps, so stay tuned. <laughs> sadly, sadly, he passed away in the trap, so I have to eat his body now. Uh, we'll have a two-parter for that one because humans are pretty big. <laughs> uh, have to braise them for a while. That's what I got off topic this week. Um, Aaron, did you get anything off topic this week? Yeah, I did. Does it, does um, it have to do with trapping? cannibalism? N- neither one of those things. Okay. All right, well, I guess I'm still interested. Um, I ended up getting the, um, the Saturn V rocket Lego set. I saw you, you built that darn fast. I built it. So even though it's a lot of pieces, it is kind of um, the same function four times. Um, Because since it's round, you build like quarter parts and then put them together. And the it actually you're kind of building on eight faces of it. So it's either side and then on the edges and then either side and on the edges and then either side and on the edges. So whenever I'm faced with that, with a Lego set where I have to kind of do the same medium to large build several times, mm-hmm. it makes me build slower for some reason because I get bored. Well, basically the way that I did it was I just kind of did an assembly line. Man. It was just take the, you know, yeah, do this thing, do this step, do it three more times, do this step, do it three more times. And especially since so much of the, um, like outside of that is all the same part, you know, there are probably 200 of the like two by three slant smooth pieces across the whole first and second stages. So it's just like, do, 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 do. And so it, it goes pretty quickly. Um, the neat parts about it is for being a uh, a Lego representation at uh, uh, of a rocket, it's actually relatively accurate to the rocket in other things. Um, the way that you build the the first and second stages, you build there are. Um, uh one or what is it they're like four by four quarter round tall components that you take uh four of these things to make a a sealed part inside of the rocket that you assemble parts together well as you're building those for the the first stage it's two tall and one tall and are kind of separate and then for the second stage, it's two of them that are stacked on top of each other. Well, the way the Saturn V rocket worked, the first stage, it was a one tall uh, uh, tank and a shorter tank. And it was separated by a bit because there were two vastly different temperature fuels. This this sounds like it and was then, designed by a very satisfied <laughs> rocket nerd. Yeah, it was. And then on the second stage, it actually the two tanks were in were, were touching each other. To the point that it had only it, it didn't have like two bulkheads. It was one bulkhead in the middle, um, and so it's all laid out very similar to uh, it, it, as far as you can for Lego as to how a, a Saturn V was. 
Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's a fun set. It's gone back and forth between back order and not even accepting back order. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. I got mine ordered at like eleven fifty nine when it was supposed to go up at midnight. And I know people that hung around for uh, up to two hours at work um, in hopes of getting it. And then people that were like, ah, I'll just get it in the morning. And then they were on like a two week back order. And then somebody that back ordered it a couple days later and they just got their shipping notification today. So I mean, the the, the Mars ro- was it the Mars Rover that went really fast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, the ideas things, the first wave goes stupid fast, and then, um, like the the uh, space theme, like the the NASA stuff, seems like it goes even like it keeps getting hit. Um, I'm trying to think what else the uh, the exosuit that I got that uh, was one of the um one of my favorite idea sets is um like it was non-existent and then like a few months later there was a finally a second wave yeah it's it's back to temporarily out of stock on shop.lego but it's i mean the thing is there's a whole lot of excitement about it i get i saw where what do they call it? The third marketplaces are had finally gotten their first wave. So if you were in um, some like EU nations and Australia or something, just finally got it. Um, but I've enjoyed it a bunch, a bunch. That's great. Yeah, you, not not trying to just being a good a good PR manager here. You could have streamed it. I mean, just saying. I I did photos at the end of each bag. And that is uh about all that I wanted to do. When I saw the photos, I was just kind of flipping through my timeline and for a second I thought you actually were streaming it and I was going to come and start yelling at you. No, so I saw no. the photos and I just thought like are these thumbnails for videos? Is he str- is he str- Oh. Cuz I mean that was the thing. I, hey, I'll admit I was thinking about streaming it. And then I very rapidly was like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to take this thing that I've been waiting for and want to be fun to now be something that makes it unfun. Let me turn it into even more legitimate work. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thanks. I uh, I forgot about something I got this week that I meant to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so are we going back to you and then you can come back to me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll insert this one in. This is a, this is a hidden one. This is also on topic stuff, so it's thematic. You had to get through the 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 bit about eating the the heart and testicles of a rat to get the thing about a movie prime toy that I got. Because uh, I got the I got the the tenth anniversary movie best uh, new version of Leader Optimus Prime uh, from that that movie line, the anniversary movie line that Takara Tomy's doing. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's the the toy that was like going to be the definitive movie prime until a few weeks later they announced the movie masterpiece prime uh but i'm still really happy i got it for a couple of reasons number one i never had another version of revenge of the fallen leader optimus except for that first one that came out domestically so now i have the first one and the last one and that feels kind of cool okay um 
Also, this toy has nearly two minutes of voice clips from the Japanese Optimus Prime voice actor. Uh, just sequentially in his voice box. So instead of just saying, I am Optimus Prime over and over again, you have like a minute 56 of uh, all kinds of different voice lines. And I know this because if you hold down the button to make the vehicle noise, it'll do like a demo mode that just goes through all the voice clips. And I put that up on Twitter. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, I just wish someone, I wish I could, there's one of the voice clips, which is just him going like, Rawr! like making a big, like feral, I'm going to tear your spine out battle cry. And I wish I could just activate that one whenever I want. Um, also, I assume that is the majority of his dialogue in the Japanese version. Well, it's a lot of it's very just like, you know, it's, it's Japanese super robot heroics. A lot of like, you know, Subete wo Taos and stuff. And he says Megatron a lot. He tells the Autobots to mobilize. He says transform at one point. The other cool thing about his sounds is that, you know, how uh, the toy would make the, the G1 transformation sound when you connect the waist together. Uh, mm -hmm. On this one, it makes the movie transformation sound right down. To, you know, there's kind of the classic movie transformation sound, which is a bunch of metal noises. And one of them is a very specific like kind of noise, kind of like if you hit a metal rod against a metal rod really hard. Uh, like that is very specifically and pointedly in that sound clip. And it makes me smile. Um, the, the only downsides of this guy are actually some of the enhancements. There's some great stuff, but like he's got these posable hands. And it looks great when you open them. It's like the thumb is on a ball socket joint and there's two knuckle hinges. But he's got like Ninja Turtle hands where one set of fingers, it's like it's like two sets of two fingers move in chunks. So unless they're balled up in a fist or just wide open, they always look really weird. Because it means his, his middle and index finger are always fused together, so he can't even point. So it's kind of a bummer. Uh, also, he's got like swords and hooks. But he holds them like gun blades, and the 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 handles are all kind of misshapen in a, in a in a certain way. Where one of his swords fits the palm slots really well, and one of his hooks fits in really well. But one of his swords and one of his hooks are extremely loose and just fall right out again. Uh, so I need to I need to fix those up. They they're suffering from some kind of mold degradation. And he's also got like the knuckle dusters, and then those have like a specific way to fit onto one of the vestigial tabs on his backpack for storage but then the hooks and the swords don't have anywhere to store they just have five millimeter ports that were meant to go with striker optimus prime's other greeble that doesn't come with this figure so it's kind of kind of weird okay um I'm, I'm not as into his accessories um so he doesn't I, I just don't think he has very good accessories um he even when they hold in well you see his hand holding the sword it just looks wrong um, the upside is, this is the first time I've had this toy where it didn't have spring-loaded swords wedged into his forearms, and the toy is, like, ten times better when that is gone, because now you can actually pose his arms, uh, without all that stuff banging together, so, it's a pretty darn good toy, uh, I'm happy I have it, because it's, like, you know, it's the MPO4 last shot version of this toy, so I've, I've got the first and the last, and in a few months I'll have the Masterpiece. And then I'll have I'll have the movie Prime array for the first trilogy version. Uh, so that's the thing I forgot to talk about. Uh, no one out there actually really needs to hunt this toy down. Um, the masterpiece version looks looks much better. I just really like all the voice clips. Uh, here I can even get it, can get it going in the background while we try to have a podcast. There he goes. He's just gonna talk now for a while. He's talking about how he's a Cybertron. 
He's from he's a life form from Cybertron. I'll put him over here. Uh, so Aaron, let's get back to you. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that I did on Saturday was I kind of want a trip to Las Vegas. I think. Ooh. So uh, I was doing a twelve-hour thing at uh, Merlin's Beard, which that's the board game cafe in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I walked in, he's like, "Hey, Aaron, you know how to play King of Tokyo, right? You want to play King of Tokyo, right?" It's like, uh, no. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, we need one more. We're doing this unrivaled tournament series, and uh, we need one more so that we can fill out a, a, a second table and do the whole tournament." He's like, "All right, fine, yeah." I'm sure I know how to play King of Tokyo. We can do this. And I played King of Tokyo mm-hmm. and I won. And I said, okay, you go to the finals. Like, all right. And I go to the finals and I win the finals. Then he goes, okay, you win a trip. You just won a trip to Las Vegas. And I was like, thanks, Monty. What's that? What else do I win? He's like, no, for real. You just won a trip <laughs> to Las Vegas. Like it was supposed to be like anybody that won at the stores would go to regionals and anybody that won at regionals would go to finals. But hey, there are regionals that are a long friggin' way away from the stores and people didn't really like that. So we instead set it up that like you can just like anybody that won at the store level could get to go to regional or could get to go to the finals in Las Vegas. And I was very confused because that seems like that's a whole lot of expense for uh, board games. And then he's like, yeah. And then on top of that, it's a $10,000 prize for the winner of each of these six games. That's no pressure. And whatever you win, I win. So if you win $10,000 playing King of Tokyo, I'm getting myself a new deep fryer. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, thanks. No pressure whatsoever there, huh, buddy? He's like, hey, but you came in here not expecting to win a trip to Vegas. I was like, I still don't think it's it's happening. You still don't have the official paperwork about it. And then it turns out that uh, one of their big um, um, sponsors was Geek Chic. Did you hear what happened to Geek Chic? No. No. They shut their doors this week. Well, hmm. So it's like all of a sudden they have all this more like expense and now they're like number one like named backer just kind of disappeared. So I have no idea. I may instead of ending up in Vegas may end up in Reno and short a kidney. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, you know, the the. I was wondering if, if like the the side story to this is if you had lost that game that you won, would you, would you then have had to like okay, it's either you win a trip to Vegas or we're taking your kidneys, but you just answered that for me. Yeah, so that's so then from my understanding, the couple of people that qual that like got second and third place can still go to the regional or whatever to then also maybe when a trip to Las I don't know I'm I'm still not sure and yeah but hey I might win $10,000 and then become a professional board game player of kind of 
kind of entirely luck-based games that are these six games. One of them is the Epic Spell Wars. Hey, that's game. not luck-based. That's all skill. I've played that game. Yeah, yes, because the drawing of the cards. Yeah. And just trying to lay it out some is... Hey, listen, poker's a skill game, too, all right? He's got to know what the skill <laughs> is. I guess. <laughs> there, there is randomness in poker, but it's much more directed versus... Um, so it's Ascension, Munchkin, uh, Epic Spell Wars, Nevermore, King of Tokyo, and what's the other one? Scroll past Villagers and Villains. And and all of all of those games are heavily luck based. Okay, you just have to have enough skill to have the best luck, and then you'll be set. Sure. Listen, there's a deep fryer in it for your buddy. Okay. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like the ten thousand dollars and his highest aspiration is a deep fryer. You can get yeah. a good deep fryer, man. Ten thousand. Right. <laughs> you get the highest but... quality deep fryer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm excited for it. I hope that it is a real thing. It's probably going to end up being like I'll get a hundred dollars in in travel and another hundred and fifty in housing for me to figure out what I want to do with it. But it still is. It was a very neat thing, and if I win it, it's none of that's going to extra life. It's all going to debt. But uh, hey. I'll say it's the karma that I get out of it or something. But That's right. It it definitely caught me off guard. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Whatever happens. Uh that that I'll be live streaming the whole time so that there can be evidence of, yeah. <laughs> of who Well who, if I who die. Me. <laughs> uh yeah, best of luck. You know, fingers crossed and all that. Uh, anything else on your end you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Um, my last little off-topic update. I have a light flickering on my ceiling. That's spooky. Oh, light bulb just died. That was spooky. That's what I got this week. Uh, I also got a little update for, for the Overwatch conversation I was having. Um, at, over that double XP weekend... As someone who started playing more or less during the double XP weekend for the anniversary event, I'm now at level 41. Uh, so I played a lot of Overwatch that weekend. That's mm-hmm. a, I don't know if you heard about it. It's a pretty good game. It's uh, its not bad. Uh, but that's been a podcast. That's been episode 464 of WTFTFW. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Aaron and TJ, for joining me. I'm taking the light bulb that just went out over my head as a sign that I should go to sleep but not until i finish this podcast so uh that's what i'm doing now um we're going to record something about transformers 5 the last night but just got to make sure we've all seen it first uh, i'm seeing it on opening night because i'm a i'm a i'm a dweeb um what about you guys are you guys do you have you guys got all your elaborate plans drawn up for seeing the, the new transformers movie i actually have no plans as as of yet oh I've been told if I take anyone to that movie, I'm financially obligated to pay for it, and I, I'm, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to let anyone else sacrifice their money toward that movie. Don't take anyone. Just go enjoy it yourself. Just bring a notepad. You have to take meticulous notes. I'm sure that'll go over very well. Yes. 
Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll figure out when we've all seen it uh, and and, uh, and figure out when we all want to talk about it. So it's probably not going to be, like, super timely, but we'll figure something out. Uh, anyway, as I said, thank you all for joining us, and we will talk to you later. Enjoy the film if you're going to go see it, because this is the last time we're going to talk to you before you see it. So if that film causes, like, a mass brain hemorrhage or something, it's, it's not our fault. Oh, <laughs> bro,